Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Where are you? Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. Uh, we're back in the here and now. I am Cammy Black and joining me this week are editor of the blog, Rory Baldwin. Hello. And we were going to have Gav Harper, but he's uh, cried off with man flu. Um, now, Rory, um, I was thinking in a bid to increase uh, listeners, um, we could probably do what the other pods do and start thinking of nicknames. Um, ah, okay. I was going to go with Harps and Boulders um, tonight. All right, okay. Um, that seems to be the har- done thing. Harps? Harps, well, well, for Gav. Oh, Harps for him. Yeah, I was going to say, why are you calling it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Harps is not here. No, Harps is not here, so we'll, well, we'll not bother. It just seemed to be, uh, you know, in a bid to increase listenership. Balders and, Balders and Black sounds a little bit like a sort of Undertaker's perm or something. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's good to have that on the back burner anyway for future. Um, but, um, yeah, we're here to talk about the game. Um, if some more Gav was there, so we were hoping to have a bit of a an insight from him on what he saw, whether he saw JK rolling in the crowd. Um, and he's done uh, he's done our player ratings. Um, but um, we, we, we're renowned for going for the negative, Rory. So why don't we start with a positive? Um, what was your positive from the Samoa game? Um, they scored loads of tries. Yep. And the uh, actually, you know, there were quite a lot of players that played, that played pretty well. Um they never looked like they weren't capable of scoring tries, which if you think about how hopeless Scotland back divisions have looked in the past, um, I think that, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, uh, I w- watched the first half back um, uh, for a second time and uh, that was, uh, you know, that was, uh, it was all right, the, the, the first half. I think it was the second half really where things went a bit sort of, uh, a bit squiffy. Um. I mean, we, could, we could probably go, it's always, um, seems to work when we go through the player ratings. So Gav's done the player ratings, mm-hmm. um, and we could probably get some positives out of these. Um, Stuart Hogg, he's, he said, always a threat with ball in hand, kick well when Scotland seemed to lack direction, and showed le- real leadership after John Barkley went off. 7.5 out of 10. Do you think, I mean, the leadership thing um, has come up, um, a few people on Twitter tonight have been talking about that. Do you, uh, have we got a definitive answer about who was captain? Um, not really. I mean, the, um, in the, the team announcement on Thursday, they said that uh, Hogg and Wilson were vice captains. I mean, that was listed on the team sheet, so they were both on the pitch. So I would assume it was one or both of them. Um, but I uh, couldn't couldn't see much evidence um, in the, the later stages of the game. Yeah, because I've got it down. So it's um, let me have a look. Uh, Fifty-eight minutes. You have McAnally, Marfo, Barkley, and Seymour all go off. Um, arguably, Barkley and Seymour 
um, are probably forced, given that Barkley's come back from concussion and Seymour, I think, mm-hmm. um, knacked his foot. Yeah, um, he's got a sore toe of some sort. Yeah, so at that point, it's 32-17 in Scotland's favour. Um, and then, so that's 58 minutes, and then at 62 minutes onwards, that's when three of the five tries from Samoa scored. So it... And we're slipping on the negative quite quickly. But is, is that a leadership issue, do you think? Or, or, or do you think it's the, the changes happening too quickly? I mean, some of them were, some of them were, um, yeah, was probably, was probably changes like familiarity. Um, just having a wee look at the highlights there and the, the sort of, um, like the first, the first similar try was pretty much just, just solid battering in front of the post. I don't think there was much that, that anybody could, could have done against guys that size coming coming down to you and there wasn't it wasn't like tackles were being missed they were just making the making a few you know making a yard or two with each with each carry and they're you know if you keep going eventually you're going to get over the line but i think the the sort of the ones that that struck us all as a bit soft towards the end of the towards the end of the game certainly the the trevor Annis one was the where he looked like he just kind of waltzed waltzed in from from a ruck um, they were all sort of uh, like Swinson and and I think it was it was Batty where they they'd come from the previous uh, from the previous breakdown and were sort of running running to get round the, the the far side of the ruck to take up their positions but there was actually no one behind them coming in to take up the you know the sort of the, the pillars or the posts or whatever you want to call them on the near side so there was a, a bloody great gap for the for them to run through yeah because two of the I mean well, I think the first one and um, the one that was Almost well, I think it was held up, um, probably. But um, yeah, there was one that was, there was one that never should have been given as well. Yeah, but but I think that one, and then the first one under the post, so the one where they put it, um, in the first half, um, both of those Price is defending in the middle of the in the middle of the ruck, which just seemed bizarre for yeah to have He's him not a big guy. No, um, and I don't I don't know if that's normal to find a scrum half defending a ruck at that. At that point in the line, yeah, I mean, I suppose they're. That's probably as an attack what you're what you're looking to try and do is to um, to try and f- find a find a way to get a mismatch close to the line where you've got like an Ali Price or you know a Dan Parks or a Duncan Weir defending when they should actually be hiding out on the wing. Yeah. Um, although I mean, Ali Price, you know, he doesn't he doesn't dodge dodge tackles. It's maybe unfair to lump him in with the in, in you know in that that company, but. Um, he is, he, is a, he is a wee guy, and, and some of those uh, Simones were pretty hefty characters. So yeah, he's probably not as effective, you know, one meter out th- as he would be in the in the loose in terms of his tackling. Yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. But Hog, I mean, uh, it was a good game for Hog. I think it, from a, a you know from an attacking point of view. But um, I, I was trying to I was watching it back, trying to work out what whether or not he had a role in organising the defence sort of further out later on in the game or whether or not that that was solely down to say Wilson and uh, did you come to any conclusions I decided that it was all Ryan Wilson's fault right okay <laughs> um, I mean yeah it's uh, the uh, I think one of the uh, the um the Tim Nanai Williams try where he went so he cut a very similar line yeah. he went between uh, Chris Harris who'd just come on and Hugh Jones who who was probably uh, a bit a bit tired, and I mean Jones almost got him, but I think it was it was maybe Harrison Harrison he that sort of uh, didn't quite combine correctly, and we saw that again in attack. I think late later on, um, 
there is a little bit of unfamiliarity between with some of the combinations maybe um and and that probably that probably didn't didn't help the uh, the defensive defensive effort and especially some somebody like Harris who hasn't been working with you know Matt Taylor's defensive system for you know four or five years unlike a lot of the the, the Glasgow boys in particular yeah i mean I, I suppose it's one of the benefits of having a game like this early on in the series is rather than we'd normally play sort of New Zealand and get tanked, then play South Africa or Australia, maybe run them close if we're lucky, and then play, what was Georgia last year, or Tonga or Samoa in the last game as a, I suppose it was supposed to be a, a guaranteed win, although that didn't really work out for Andy Robinson against Tonga, but yeah, I suppose, always. no, <laughs> so I suppose the benefit of putting this match up front is that you get the opportunity for players like Chris Harris who are coming in to to get the system working and to get the blow away the cobwebs having not played international rugby since the summer and get the team to gel and have a proper run at somebody like the All Blacks however realistic that might be yeah I mean I think you look at uh, it was it was quite uh, quite interesting to sort of watch watch Daryl Marfell in the first kind of 20 minutes of the game just and uh, I mean he had you know he had a pretty good first half I don't think uh, I don't think he'd be too unhappy with how, how the game went um he, you know, he was pretty good in the scrum, although the referee didn't quite see it that way. But uh, it looked to me like he had the had the upper hand on on the, uh, the opposition tight head, um, even though they kept getting pinged for wheeling. Yeah, and, no, I like uh, I like I liked him a lot. I mean, I hadn't seen much. I've I've only seen a couple of Ember games this this season, but I I thought he was. I know Richard Cockrell had said something along the lines of he'd normally be a squad player. Yeah, in England or something, but I, I I thought he stood up quite well against. I mean, yeah. that's a strong, that's a good scrum, scrum more. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was it was quite. You know, it, it, he just looked like he was kind of having having a good time. He was, you know, he was mixing it up a little bit, shoving people about. He's obviously been hanging around with Xander too much, and <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, you could see occasionally he looked like you know he was sort of jogging jogging a little bit, but maybe he was resting himself. I mean, you know, the pace. The pace was probably pretty high. I mean, John Barkley looked like he's struggling with the pace midway through the first half. Mm. Um, so, I you know, I, I think it, I think it's good to uh, it's good to to get these guys in and say, you know, this is what it's going to be like. Because if you know, if he thinks that was a that was a bit of a test, then then Daryl or he'll uh, he'll uh, he'll find next week, a, you know, a bit more of a shock to the system. Yeah, we can't be too harsh on props for jogging either. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's kind of to be expected, but it, it was almost like everyone was jogging. Apart, it's like the backs do the sprinting and the forwards just they're they're jogging now. Yeah, rumble between from ruck to ruck. Um, yeah, I wonder whether or not that's one of the um, downsides of Tunis' way of playing is that it's just going to be too fast for the forwards to keep up. Yeah, and that and that's the worry. I mean, he's going to he's going to have to find forwards that can do that. And then, if you find forwards that can do that, do you then mean? Does that mean you know? Does that mean that you don't have any forwards who can batter holes in a defensive line? Um, I'm all for rugby being about hitting the space, not the man. But you know, you still do have to run into contact occasionally, and um, it you know it's one way of trying to get trying to get get past the game line. Yeah. Um, and there is a there is a worry. A lot of people seem to be sort of. Um, Commenting out on the site that you know there there's a worry that uh, that that exclusively kind of targeting that approach would uh, would leave us with with two sort of lightweight lightweight a pack that are easy to push about. Yeah, because if you if you're expecting 
um, you know, the back three to be running 50, 60 metres, you know, breakaway tries or, or get or making ground and expecting the, the forwards to keep up, then that's quite a big... I, I can't think of many teams that where you could, at international level, where you could play that, that tempo and expect the forwards to keep up with play. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's almost like I mean what what the All Blacks I think seem to do is you know they'll play they'll play very direct kind of basic basic rugby until there's a chance a sniff and then they're away and then they sort of suddenly they up the tempo and they go through and that's what in attack or defence you know they'll keep their defensive shape and they'll wait for a, a knock on or something and then suddenly boom you see them kind of springing into action and it was almost like Scotland are trying to do that but they're also trying to create but they're not bothering with the first part they're just trying to trying to create to create the moments. Um, uh, or sort of force the opposition kick the kick the ball to the opposition, hope they drop it, and then boom, they can pounce. But you know, that's only going to work sometimes. And yeah, I suppose it's playing. They're trying to we, we well Scotland. They're trying to play high tempo rugby for eighty minutes. Whereas what the All Blacks do is probably play high tempo rugby, get the scores on the board, and then just wait for the other side to tire and yeah, have another the, crack the, and have rest rest periods in the game and probably, give yourself yeah, a breather. They probably play high tempo rugby for sort of. Five ten minutes either side of half time, and the last fifteen minutes when when the other side can't hack it anymore and run up a score. Yeah, well, I wondered whether that's part of the reason why Scotland let in so many tries late on in the game is that it's probably down to a lack of game management, and whether that's the uh, coaching issue or whether it's down to whoever was captain at the time. Is it, there were about three or four times in the second half where. A policy of just you know sticking the ball up the jumper and just going through the phases yep. nice and slowly with a really comfortable lead and just tiring the Samoans out was probably the the best best policy. But for for one reason or another, they're still trying to play high tempo, quick rugby. At, you know, seventy five. Well, I think well, was seventy five minutes that last Samoa try or just before? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's the uh, Horn try. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, there, there's something to be. It's it's certainly certainly entertaining, but yeah, um, you want you wonder if the the fitness is uh, is going to work because you know you've only got so many replacements, so you can't bring on a completely fresh team, and a lot of those guys will have been doing quite a lot of running, especially if they're having to you know uh, attack from deep, like you know as they do. That's the other the other reason they should maybe try and bring a bit more kind of basic direct rugby is that it means that if there's less kicking, there's less running back and forth. You know they. They're putting their energy into going forward rather than just turning about the whole time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got uh, seventy-five minutes from Scotland with forty-four thirty-one up, um, and then Samoa come back and score a try within. I mean, it was so quick. The guys who were doing whoever was doing the Telegraph score updates was only tweeting about. In fact, even the Scotland official account, I think, was only tweeting the score, the Scotland tries on a couple of yeah. occasions, and then having <laughs> at the same time as you know Samoa was scoring. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the, fir- the first half. I mean, well, well, just after the first, after half time, forty five minutes, they were up thirty two ten, and that's the point at which they should have not shut up shop, but um, become a little more conservative. Yeah, and, I suppose gone. You know, stuck a note on the door saying "back for lunch." You know, yeah, something like that. We're back in back in ten minutes. Had ten minutes of just keeping the ball in hand. Yeah, going, going if, through if the you, phases. If you do that, then. To sort of 55 60 minutes and then you know that leaves them with 20 minutes to score three tries or whatever they would have needed um and you probably would have got a couple of penalties and that would have been the game put to bed but as it was they you know they stuck at it Samoa actually came out with a better 
plan in the second half and than Scotland did, I think. And um, what what they were doing, you know, was working. They were a bit more a bit more controlled and didn't kind of play into the scrappy game that Scotland were looking for. Mm. Um, and Scot- um, Scotland, it's not that they didn't respond, it's just that they didn't really, because they were winning, they maybe didn't see the need to change what they were doing. Um, but, you know, obviously we saw that slowly but surely Samoa kind of sneaked their way back into it. And... Yeah, I, I guess it's the first game... Um, I, suppose, I, I don't know. Well, you had the summer tests, I guess, but it's the first game at Murrayfield, and it's the that seemed to me to be the first game we've seen Townsend playing. What is his system? Which was quick ball, especially you know from the light, quick ball yeah. from the lineouts as well. Really, sort of getting the ball in and getting just getting the game going again. Um, uh, so I suppose whether or not an unintended consequence of that that they hadn't fully appreciated until they'd run through it is that you need the game management to go with it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's uh, you know it's certainly entertaining. There were very few scrums. The lineouts were were quick, and the ball was in play quite a lot of the time. But uh, yeah, I I don't think we'll see the same style of rugby next week. Yeah, um, so we've got. I mean, I think Gav's got um, Hugh Jones at seven point five out of ten, and Hoggy at seven point five out of ten as his two standout backs. Um, would you agree with that? Anybody else? I mean, um, I don't because I, I think Lee Jones. I think Lee Jones was man of the match, but um... yeah, I mean, he had he had a, he had a good game. Um, I don't know how he'll do that, uh, against uh, whichever monster winger the the All Blacks are going to pick. With six, um, ta- six tackles and none missed, which is pretty good going. Yeah, given his size. I mean, no, he yeah, he did. I mean, he he took on. Um, he certainly worked worked on this defence. He's not. I don't think you could accuse. He's small, but I don't think you accuse him of being lightweight anymore. And he certainly, you know, he gives it a good go in the tackle. Um, I I mean, for me, uh, actually, probably Ali Price was the pick of the, the backs. I don't think he did. I don't think he did very much wrong at all. Um, uh, his box kicking was pretty good, unlike Master Pergos when he came on. Mm. Um, Hoggy Hoggy was good, but um, yeah. I think uh, yeah, price, price for me. I think Jones could have could have been a higher score, but he didn't see enough ball. Um, uh, but that's not his fault. Um, same probably goes for Dunbar. Yeah, six out of ten maybe feels a little bit harsh for Finn. Um, it's I mean it's sort of, Finn Finn's one of these one of these guys. He really needs two ratings. It's like he needs a score <laughs> for the good things and a score for the bad things. So he's probably eight out of ten for the the good stuff and four out of ten for. For the you know endless grubber kick and the the hospital passes he kept throwing, he, yeah he kept doing these no look passes and he did one to Wilson who dropped it and then he tried another two I think to Dunbar where they were basically standing side by side and he was pretending that he was going to pass to somebody much further away and <laughs> then he passed it to Dunbar who got flattened each time I probably won't have won't have I, thanked him for that yeah I just wonder whether sometimes Finn just thinks he's playing in a park and where with his mates yeah he's just having he's, he is I think he's <laughs> I mean and you know he's having fun and there was there was one he had the one little half break where he just sort of showed it and, and he sort of just ghosted through a gap and you forget how how, how fast he can be when he's on the hoof um, I, I think you know Finn Russell against Bowden Barrett could be could be interesting certainly yeah especially but, uh, it all depends on the team I was going to say because Finn's been trying that sort of kick pass thing yeah. this season since he's come back from New Zealand. I don't know if it's something he's picked up on the Lions tour or been watching, but he's tried it for Glasgow a few times. So that could be uh, that could be interesting next weekend if you've got two fly halves trying it. Probably yeah. one one with more success than the other. I would have thought, but 
Yeah, it dep- like again, it might come down to the wingers. If, if Finn's pa- if Finn's kick passing to Lee Jones, but there's uh, like Naholo or somebody on his wing. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> it could be a very very long afternoon for Lee. It could Jones. be a long afternoon. There's, I mean, there were there were some people saying Visser should be brought back in for that one, but I don't. You know, we're not going to see him. He's not in the squad. The, well, yeah, I mean, the one thing, what I liked about Lee Jones is it's not, it's the stuff, and a lot of people were, I had a lot of people throwing stats at me on Twitter on um, Saturday evening after I'd sort of gone off on one about um, Mossy choosing McAnally, um, but it was more the stuff he was doing off the ball, it was the, the lines he was running in support, which were making defenders think twice, and it, he just seemed to be putting himself about quite a lot, and I liked that, I think Seymour... I was probably a little bit quiet again, but I don't. I mean, but behind all this, of course, we don't know what they're being told to do by the coaches. Whether or not Lee Jones is being given permission to run those lines and to go looking for work, and Seymour's mm. being told to hang back a bit, or whether or not that's just Lee Jones thrives on that seven style of play, which against teams like Samoa and even the All Blacks can work if if you've got somebody willing to sort of cover. The gaps that you're leaving. Yeah, I mean, I would think uh, I would think they're all being given license to to play play heads up rugby. I mean, it is interesting that you know you used to see guys who um, disappear through a gap and nobody else was sort of on their wavelengths. Like Mike Blair used to do it all the time, and there, there was no supporting runners. And now, actually, um, one of the major ways that Hoggy's improved his game is he's actually creating a lot more than. Um, you know, he used to get criticised for being a bit sort of a bit, bit selfish and, and hunting the tries. And I mean, you know, he does pick up a phenomenal amount of tries, but that's because Seymour is very unselfish. But the the pair of them, they've got quite a quite a sort of a good relationship in terms of how they they play and they create a lot for each other. And I think uh, Lee Jones is doing that quite a lot on his wing as well. Um, he almost, you know, there was almost that uh, that try where the ball just bounced into touch before he could get a foot to it. But mm. um, there was. Uh, there was certainly, I mean, you know, there was certainly plenty of enterprise, and in terms of actually what didn't work, there was, you know, most of them came off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure whether, I mean, apart from force changes, I'm not, for me, I, I would be quite happy to see that back line go out again. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think, um, I don't think there'll be, there'll be many changes. Um, I guess Jones and Seymour might, might, Come in. I mean, size might come into it, depending on on the team. But I think Tooney's probably not going to worry too much about who the opposition have selected. He'll just pick his team. So I think you probably see Jones again. Seymour is probably going to depend on um, his toe injury. Um, he may not get back into training until later in the week. So that's probably going to just depend on on how he's going. Was Visser was Visser in the cat? Is Visser in the training squad? No, he's not. No. So you're probably looking at what McGuigan or. Bringing in Greg and sticking Jones on the wing. Yeah, that's a, a possibility, I suppose. Or bringing in Horn and putting Dunbar to thirteen and sticking Jones on the wing. Um, I would imagine that they probably would want to wing. I mean, maybe Harris. He's. I mean, he's he's got his cap now, so maybe he, he'll be tried out on the wing. I think he's. I'm not sure if he's more of a winger or a centre, but. Um, yeah, I yeah, think he, he can cover. Yeah. He can cover wing, and he can cover. I think that's. I mean, that's part of the reason he was on the bench is that he can cover all bases. Um, whether or not, I, mean, I think Samoa was a good game to introduce him. Whether or not um, he did enough. Yeah, 
Brighton might decide someone like um, like Dougie Fife comes in, or I mean Fife or McGuigan would be I think probably the next sort of cabs off the rank for a um, if if the if you know if if Seymour's injury is bad enough that he needs a starting winger. Yeah, yeah, and in the forwards, then I mean, um, again, well, I think um, Gav's got McAnally as his pick of the pack, which I think you you went for man of the match, and I, yeah, that, I, he was I, my... yeah, I think he's probably done enough um, to cement his place. Yeah, I think um, I think he was he was probably just he just needed that game. I think he's he's struggled so long to get an actual to get a start, and I think it's a confidence thing, and he he's finally starting to look like a hooker. Or, you know, a modern hooker, not yeah. an actual hooker that um, has to hook, hook the ball or anything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's, he was looking good and things definitely lost a little bit of the solidity when he went when he went off, um, which is a shame because Turner's had actually, um, you know, he has a really good, really good season so far for Glasgow. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he'll learn from that as well. Um, I suppose the issue now is do you put someone with a bit more experience like, like Cochrane on the bench for the All Blacks, or do you just keep keep giving Turner, you know, stick stick with Turner? But certainly McAnally, you know, he should be starting. We, I think, I'd be happy to stick with Turner. I think probably just getting used to the pace. Well, that was his first. Well, was his debut, wasn't he? That was his first cap. I think that he was, was his on first the, cap. Yeah. yeah, he was on the, the summer tour, wasn't he? But didn't didn't get on. But I think probably just. I know Jamie Batley's talked about the difference in the step up between playing in the Premiership and then playing in Pro 14 and then internationals a step up again. So you would hope that those players that made their debut off the bench have now got a measure of how fast international rugby yeah. is and how quick you have to think. Um, so yeah. hopefully they should be ready now. Yeah, ready for the All Blacks. Yeah, which again I think just goes to show it's, it's, it's a shrewd move putting the Samoa or the Tier 2 for you know, for being um, looking at it that way, but this sort of tier two test at the start, I think is it's what it's what Wales and England have done in the past. I think is to, you know play the easier game first to get everybody up to speed and then have a proper run at the the next two tests. Yeah, I mean, effectively, this is this it's the start of the international season. You wouldn't want to play the first game of the season against well against the All Blacks, really, would you? Um, unless you were Gluttons for punishment like France. We seem to be playing uh, twice in a week. <laughs> we've done that in the past, haven't we? Scotland have done that. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we yeah. have, but probably in the past it was just because, well, if you want to play us, this is when you get to play us. Oh, true, true. Um, so um, I, I think the rest, in terms of the rest of the backs, I, mean, I, I, I would probably, well, I think it's probably, people probably expect that. I'm not, I, I'm still not convinced that Ryan Wilson at international level, um, I had somebody, um, berating me tonight on Twitter for saying that he wasn't up to scratch in terms of his leadership, given how well he's captaining in Glasgow at the minute. But I, I don't know. I don't think you can compare captaining a Pro 14 side with captaining at international level. Um, but, but on the other hand, I'm also not sure where Scotland's next number eight is coming from. No. Uh, well, South Africa, maybe. Um, Possibly, yeah. I think yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, I would say maybe of. Um, I thought of the the second rows. Toulouse actually played a lot better than than Johnny Gray. Although watching the first half back, Johnny Gray did he did he did do a fair um, a fair bit of work that you know I didn't see the first time round. But yeah, the back back rows a funny one. Um, 
Barkley had quite a quiet game by his standards, but he does have the leadership which we're we're sort of we're missing. Um, and he's one of these guys that usually raises his game for the for the big ones. Um, maybe not against England, but I think that's that was maybe just down to the referee not seeing things his way on the, yeah. the you know the, the breakdown. But um, you know he he's one of these guys that that is quite a big game player, and I think Watson too. Um, he he was he was very good, and he will provided he's got some energy, he will he should be um, he should be in there. But yeah, actually, um, Cornell Dupree was uh, for me he made a probably a bigger impact in the twenty minutes or so he was on than, than Wilson did in the game. Um, I mean, Wilson's one of these guys. I was saying it to to somebody else. You, you almost have to wait and see the pre match the sort of post match stats to see how well he's done because a lot of what he does do isn't sort of obvious. Um, yeah. and he is he's very much a you know, he's very much a six six eight because he does the work of a six. You know, he tackles lots, he gets involved in the hard stuff, but he's not like a big visible ball carrier, but unfortunately that's kind of what we need at eight. Yeah, and I think the other thing is you know, in terms of the tackling is he uh, Barkley and Watson are making more tackles than him by quite some distance. I mean, he made nine tackles and missed one, which was quite a way behind Barkley and Watson. But I mean, again, whether or not it's he's he's standing somewhere else in the defensive line and isn't and and Barkley and Watson are being deployed, you know, in in certain yeah. areas where he's not. But it just comes back to I think we we need somebody different in that role. Yeah, so I mean, I think um, yeah, if he if he's in there for a sort of defensive leadership, then that didn't didn't work so well, and um, and that's really you know Bar- Barkley is is that they're quite sort of similar players, I guess, in terms of the sort of stuff that they get to get to do. Barkley's maybe a bit more involved on the on the deck, but I mean, some of it could, is probably just depending on where the Samoans choose to run, whether they run closer to the ruck that you've just been into or whether, you know, whether you're somewhere else. I mean, we have seen, you know, we've seen Wilson have those big games where he puts in a ridiculous amount of tackles and he was, um, I think he was the top, the joint top tackler. I can't remember if it's the pro 14 or the six nations last year with, with Johnny Gray. Yeah. Um, or the pro 12 as it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, we know we know he can do it, but it's one of these it's one of these things that is is kind of is picking him and waiting for him to do that thing enough. Does that does that give us enough from from our number eight? Um, you know, do we do we need a bit more? I mean, Cornell Dupree, he, he does. I mean, he's a bit like maybe like Bradbury or Denton. You know, they do drift in and out of games a bit, and you know, we don't that that's not what we need either. But um, when when they're carrying, they they offer something something quite different, um, which is a bit of bit of go forward, uh, some nice hands offloading, or certainly Dupree does anyway. Yeah, I think I mean it, well, I think we've said it before, but it's it's the position that worries me most. I think number eight, and it used to I mean it used to yeah. be the front row, and I'm I'm not as worried about that as I was, but I think it's now the the next big task I think for. Townsend is he needs to find a number eight that's going to come in and do what a number eight an international eight does yeah. and that's not to say I think Ryan Wilson is, is a a very good if not exceptional club player but I, I'm not I don't think he's consistent enough at international level to warrant a start 
as often as he does. Yeah, it's the consistency thing, really. And yeah. I mean, he does have that versatility off the bench as well. I mean, Dupree is really just a number eight. Um, Wilson could play it at any of the positions, so maybe there's an argument to to bring him on later in the game where where aggression is maybe more useful. But um, I think it would be uh, for me. I would pick pick Dupree to start on uh, on Saturday, but uh, whether whether Townsend will, I'm not sure. Yeah, and John Welsh is back in the training camp. Yeah, which John Welsh. Is, John Welsh is back. That's very. I'm very excited about that. No, is he is he counted as the? I presume we're counting him as a tight head rather than the sixth well, choice loose head or something. Well, well I think <laughs> I don't know because he can play both sides, and I think whether or not he ends up on the bench as um, cover for both sides of the scrum plus Finn Russell at ten. Um, with yeah. his, you know, his kicking skills, the chip and chase. Well, there chip was a lot. There was a lot of uh, a lot of grubber kicking going on across all weekend. Well, it's exactly. Yeah, I think he could fit very well into Townsend's style of play. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing John Welsh um, back in the side. I'm hope, hope hopefully uh, he gets in. I think um, it doesn't look. It doesn't sound like Nell's going to be. No, um, Nell's um, Nell's out. Is um, he definitely out? Yeah, he's Nell and Swinson and Harley. Are all out. Although Harley obviously wasn't playing, so he's done something so he's in training. Fallen over um, in the hotel on the way back. Yeah, something like that. And he must, maybe he was out on the piss with Magnus Bradbury. Um, <laughs> well, I saw Hoggy. Hoggy was DJing in a nightclub, apparently, according to Facebook. He? Yeah, there's a photo of him on the decks at some some nightclub. All right. So I didn't well, think they, do, I didn't do, think do they were allowed. Yeah, I don't think they were allowed to do that sort of thing, but. Play, I wonder if he was playing the music in Finn Russell's head. <laughs> He's hoping. <laughs> if I had, hey, yeah, part, part, part of the reason um, we might sound a bit odd tonight is because I haven't got the normal recording set up. So if I did, I could have played the music in Finn Russell's head because I've now got it as a regular thing just to stick on in the background. Awesome. For every time we mention it. Every time we mention it, I can just stick Which it on. Which will so, yeah. be regularly. Yeah. Um, so next week we can look forward to that next week. Um, so, so yeah. So yeah. Nell is uh, Nell is injured. He's uh, fractured his arm. Swinson has done something to himself, um, and he's out. And Harley's out. And yeah. And Seymour's had a scan on his foot, but is rumored to be okay. Yeah. Oh well. So backs. We're probably thinking forwards. Just well, apart from Nell. I mean, we'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see Wilson replaced, but I don't know. With probably with Dupree. Um, whether or not that happens, I'm, I'm not convinced that yeah. Townsend. But, I mean, I think it'll be a swap. I think his, his match day twenty three is probably not going to change much, apart from maybe maybe twenty maybe the twenty three shirt. Yeah, um, Harris might get swapped for McGuigan or um, or Dougie Fife or somebody. Yeah, I think it would be good to see Harris get another run against Australia. But I think somebody with a bit more game time at national yeah. level probably needs probably needs that shirt. Um, yeah. But it was good, you know. It was a good um, game for him to come in. I, I'm not. I don't think he did anything. I think Gav's score five out of ten is fair. I don't think he did anything that makes me think he's nailed on a place in the bench or is likely to feature for Scotland for years to come. But yeah, I mean, he. Did, he I don't think he. I don't think he got. He caught the ball. He he missed a tackle and he ran into Hugh Jones. But you know, people have had worse debuts. Yeah, Jeff Cross. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't tackle a man in the air on his first no. thing. Get knocked out and red, yellow card as he was stretched off. So I think if that's the that's the, the touchstone for any Scotland that's debut. The gold standard. Yeah, that's it. So if you if you manage not to do that, then you you you're probably worth another run. Comment of the week. 
Uh, it's time for a comment of the week now. Um, don't forget to leave your comments on the blog, and we'll pick out the best and read them on the um, read them on the podcast. Um, I have got one. I've got a slight point of order with mine. It's from the smidge which was left uh, on Gav's play ratings, and said, "I declare these ratings on this week's are uh, this week's hands in the ruck." Um, on a point of order, the smidge. If you want a hands in the ruck, you've got to leave a comment on the podcast post. So that's first things first. That's why it's not a hands in the ruck. Um, but he said, um, I, the one a bit I liked was um, Henry played his way, is what Henry Burgos, Henry played his way onto the train back to Glasgow, not the fast service to Queen Street, the slow one to Central, which is more like how he plays. Um, and then <laughs> 1.8T um, nominated that as a comment of the week. So I thought that was that was a good shout. Yeah. Um, I feel bad Gav's not here to defend himself. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, you know, I had a look. I had a look at the the ratings on the, over on the uh, on the offside line, and um, they, they weren't they weren't that different. I think I think he was maybe uh, generous to Wilson and not generous enough to to Watson. Yeah, and or and Tulis. I thought Tulis was Tulis played very well, but uh, I mean, I think with these things, never, there's only ever about one yeah. point in it compared to what everybody thinks. Anyway, you never. I it's think what you see, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's all very subjective. Um, what, what have you got for comment of the week then, Rory? Um, I've got a comment by Ross, which was on the match report. And uh, he said, do you agree with the comments of those saying there's a bit too much panic and judgment going on? Let's take both the positives and the negatives in context, please, particularly on the player performance chat, because I think there probably there were quite a lot of people calling for um, certainly Henry Pergos and possibly Tim Swinson to just to, to leave, leave and never come back, as Colin would say. But... Um, yeah, I think that's that's a bit. I mean, he said yeah. uh, he went on to say Marfo was good, which is great to see. Let's not forget though that he was not that long ago a squad player at London Welsh. As long as he keeps playing like that, he deserves to start, and I won't have a bad word to say about him. But I'm not ready to say, as some have, that he's international quality alongside Dickinson, etc. Um, and he's also, you know, he goes on to to say that we should cut Johnny Gray some slack, and uh, and it was good to see that Dupree, Horn, and McAnally who've Possibly underperformed in the past, but are finally showing some, finally showing some uh, some real quality. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think, I think over. I think we probably are too miserable about these things, and I think I, I, I think after, like I said, in the Six Nations, partly I think it comes from that we're in a different place to where we've been in the past, so it mm. feels like we should be a bit harder on the team, but. You know, they, they say if you're going to beat the All Blacks, you just have to score more points than them, and we are clearly yeah, capable. We've got we're, practice, yeah. Yeah, we, we're capable of scoring forty plus points. We just have to be capable of not shipping forty plus points, and yeah. and we'll be away. No bother. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So don't forget to leave comments on the blog, and we'll pick them up and read them out on the podcast. Well, we're Right, it's time for Where's Dougie Donnelly. Uh, this started as a call for you to send us um, your spots of Scottish sporting media personalities you've seen out and about. But we're going to expand it now, um, and we also want rugby-related rumours too. Um, all the rugby podcasts are doing it, apparently, and they're generating lots and lots of column inches from it. So um, we just want to get in on the act just to show how well-connected we are. Uh, right, Rory, um, my big one. Um, I've heard very good, reliable sources um, about Johnny Gray's new contract. Have you have you heard about this? No. Big offer. Source tells me he's about to sign up for a new contract, 24 months, um, BT Mobile, three gigs, unlimited minutes, and unlimited <laughs> text, 
thirty pound a month and a free iPhone X. So um, thirty pound yeah. a month. Yeah, that's absolutely absolutely nailed on. Apparently, that absolutely right, nailed okay. on. That, that's definitely happening. Nailed on. Um, have you you had your ear to the ground? Have you heard any? I I haven't. I haven't actually. I went. I've I've gone old school. I've actually got a, um, I've got a celebrity rugby sighting. Ooh, go on then. From from the nineties. From the nineties. Yeah. Wait, wait, was, for you, this is when you were in the nineties, or somebody from was, the nineties. Yeah, no, I was. I was in. I was in the nineties. Um, Recently, time machine, or is this you remembering? Yeah, no, this is just remembering. I was, I was reminded uh, the, the the other night I was around at my folks and um, they were reminding me of the time that Doddy Weir came to play tennis at the uh, at our tennis club up in Inverness. <laughs> I think he was he was up for he was up for uh, some sort of uh, workshop or you know training event for kids at one of the local schools. I think, and he just he was after a bounce game of tennis. So um, my folks had the the dubious honour of, of helping make up four with with them and, and one other player. And I can't actually remember it. I've been, I'm really hoping that he had a tartan shell suit, but I, I don't know how <laughs> just, ridiculous this is. That would be, I tell you what would be a real feat is, as a tennis player, you could lob Doddy Weir. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I mean, I wasn't, I was, I was too young to, to get a, sh- a shot on the game at that point, but um, I do remember it. Yeah. I remember dad chatting to him in the bar afterwards. And, and then uh, one of the, the, the person who, who was um, the other player, um, was giving them a lift to the to the station or whatever, but and unfortunately they had a very small sports car that uh, <laughs> D- Doddy and his shell suit had to uh, had to wheel into. So yeah, that, I thought that would be my uh, that's my celebrity room and just uh, in honour of the uh, the great man and obviously the the work he's doing at the moment um, with his with his trust and stuff for the motor neuron disease, which there was a big uh, big dinner at the weekend. So yeah, my probably my best nineties one is that uh, I think I went to a Barbars game at Murrayfield and Gary Armstrong ran me over. Well, nearly ran me over. He didn't run me over. He nearly ran me over. I just remember a car coming out honking its horn, and then the car sped away. And my dad going, "That was Gary Armstrong." I said, oh. So, so yeah, it's not as good as playing tennis against Doddy Weir, but it's close. Well, nearly yeah, named by Gary Armstrong. Um, <laughs> the one we did have one submission on the blog, um, which was from um, let's see who did somebody was not it? actually see Doogie Donnelly somewhere. Uh, we've we had those in the past. We haven't had any recent sightings of Doogie Donnelly. We've we had lots of good ones for when he used to DJ a disco in. Um, yeah, somewhere in Glasgow, some seedy part of Glasgow, apparently. Um, this is from not Rocket Science, who's a regular um, contra- uh, commenter on the blog, uh, who said that he bumped into Ollie Kebble's close friends and family whilst drunk in late September in a restaurant. It's not clear from this whether or not Ollie Ollie Kebble's family were drunk or not Rocket Science was drunk. Um, yeah. So do write write in and let us know Rock, not Rocket Science. That'd be good to know. Um, but he said he, he he can confirm he absolutely is a project player and fully intends to play for Scotland if they cap him. Then White goes on to say that um, that's already been reported on the BBC. Um, so it's that's the kind of rumours we're looking for. Is yeah. you know things that have already been corroborated elsewhere, but you've heard it from <laughs> someone. That's that's the standard that we're we're going to aspire to. Yeah. So if somebody's told you if you've if you've heard that somebody's signed for Glasgow or Embra and it's already been announced on the BBC, but you've heard from them or someone that knows them that that's happened, then that we we want to hear those sorts of rumours. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to yeah opposite of fake news. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and ho- hopefully uh, Rob Robertson or um, you know um, somebody like that can pick up these you know are in the know tap side of the nose well sourced yeah. stories and and you know report them as fact. Yeah, Gareth Black of the Scotsman will be all over it. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, yeah, my secret. Well, he he's my secret sauce. Shh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um. 
right, it's time for Hands in the Rock now. Um, it's our any other business part of the blog, uh, the podcast, and we are looking for your contributions as well as um, our own suggestions for things. Uh, so do get in touch on the blog uh, under the podcast post and we'll pick out the best ones. Um, we've had one, we've had our first one um, by Twitter. Uh, from Graham Love, friend of the blog, um, I didn't, oh, I, I didn't beg, beg him for this in any way, or or, or ask him if I could use it as uh, hands in the rock. He, he submitted this of his own free will, um, and he was just saying that the uh, Murrayfield there may have been a sellout, but the atmosphere was pretty poor. I know there's no edge to the game, but still, uh, and the hush that descends following kickoff is sad. Um, and it, I mean, it sounded. I was going to ask Gav this, but on the telly, it sounded very flat for large parts of the game, given given the score. And it just seems to be the perennial problem at Murrayfield. Now I don't know whether it's the people, the stadium, or the um, SRU. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Let's blame Scott Johnson. <laughs> Scott Johnson. Scott Johnson. Scott Johnson needs to be. I think. I think really what the answer is probably Scott Johnson doing a dilia in the middle of yeah. the. I'd like to see that. That's like all blacks. Scotland are thirty nil down at half time. We want Scott Johnson in the centre of the pitch, shouting, "Come on, let's be having you!" Repeatedly. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. Um, um, I, I think that I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's the stadium. Um, no, it's certainly capable of of having an atmosphere. I I mean I don't know. It's uh, you can't really blame blame the SRU for for filling it for a Samoa game. Um, but yeah, there there may have been a lot of. There may have been a lot of kids there who were dragged along for a pound of ticket and and maybe uh, got bored. I don't know. There did seem to be a Mexican wave at one point. Um, uh, I do well. I like but we Mex- don't want to discourage I, kids from coming to the games. No, and I like. I think that for the kids, I used to love being part of Mexico. I think as adults, we can be very cynical about Mexican waves, but I, I like them. I think they're as a kid, it's a good way to keep oh, kids entertained. It, and yeah, I love it as a kid. So it's it's nice to feel part of that. Um, I, I, a sort of friend of mine's daughter went there for you know it was her first international match and she really really enjoyed that and that was one of the things she came with saying she she'd enjoyed being part of it so I think we get very cynical about it, but it, it is one way to generate an atmosphere in Dole Park when things aren't happening on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it was one of those funny games where it was it it was almost I think. If it if it's if it's like a, if you can see it's a good contest and it was a good contest but it wasn't a particularly sort of well executed contest if you know what I mean if it, if it's a proper test match that's kind of gripping it was that that was it was sort of a ding dong battle almost by accident it seemed at times you know just um, because oh, I don't know it was yeah it was a it was a slightly funny it, funny game yeah it was an odd one and I, and I don't know who decided to have oh uh, oh it's magic playing after every time Finn kicked that I don't know do you think that's do you think Finn Russell has chosen that music I'm not sure maybe you should send him your uh, send him your jingle and yeah and, I uh, think so yeah if, if if anybody's listening to to this um Michael, from, Michael yeah, James yeah please please try please uh, try and persuade Finn to um have the the remix of the magic roundabout theme tune as his uh, kicking kicking <laughs> success song because that would be amazing um yeah um um, your have you got hands in the rock? Rooks wouldn't have any other on the blog this week. Yeah, I uh, well, uh, I would say is I decided to um to out outsource. So I've outsourced <laughs> it to my to my old man, who's a former referee, um, who appears from time to time as old Whistler on Twitter and on the on the site. I, um, I, I thought, thought well, I thought about him with um uh, the, uh, earlier on today when I saw that um 
Steve Hansen said that Sonny Ball Williams didn't know the rules, and it's laws, not <laughs> rules. And I got that from your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of his. Um, so I so I just asked him what was most annoying him at the moment about the peop- about the the current laws that are not being applied, and uh, his favourite at the moment is Law fifteen point seven C. Which oh, is that's, the kind no of, player, that's the kind of detail we like. Yeah, no player may fall on or over the players lying on the ground after a tackle with the ball between or near to them. Basically, um, this is just players who come piling into the ruck, not not the tackler or the ball carrier, but the the you know everyone who comes to join in the party and just kind of flops over the flops over the ball, which I suppose is is some way of protecting protecting the ball so that it comes back on your side rather than allowing the opposition to challenge it because they have to go through your your backbone effectively to get there. Mm. Um, but uh, most of the time, it just ends up with a bunch of people um, sort of lying on the ground. There's a very good, very nice illustration on the World Rugby website that looks like two or possibly three gents spooning on the ground um, to illustrate <laughs> illustrate the problem. But um, yeah, it's it's just one of these things. I mean, you can you can see a guy say the size of Richie Gray, who is one of the guys that I've noticed doing it quite a lot. Yeah. Is, when you're the size that he is and you come piling in at any great speed with a slightly downward angle, your momentum is probably going to make you fall over. I mean, gravity is going to do most of that work for you. Um, so it must be, actually be quite hard for him to not fall over. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's another one of these uh, laws that they never really never really bother applying or they'll apply very selectively. Um, yeah. And it's probably something that... Uh, I'm sure Gregor would would agree because it'll speed up his ball and he wants a quick ball. Yeah, I think it's one of those things with the ruck. There's so many rules around it now and so many different things going on that I think often for a referee to actually work out what the what's actually happening. Yeah, and who's 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 on their feet. You know, you've got to watch for the attacking player. Are they on their feet and trying to get the ball fairly? Have they? You know, are they trying to stop releases? Did the tackler released? Has the ball been? Is it being held in? This, uh, you know, and on top of that, then looking at guys flopping on top of it, it's a, quite a lot to watch. I suppose that's yeah. the argument for a second referee. Yeah, and I mean the, the other, you know, the the I think it's it was fifteen point six a or something was one of the other bits that he had in in conjunction with that, which is that you can't, you know, you're on the you're considered on the ground if any part apart from your, you know, your your feet is touching it. So even being on sort of all fours is not really. I mean, I think I guess you can if you're touching a player, then you're you're bound to the rock or whatever. Mm. Than, but if, if you know any part of you is on the on the deck, and then Daryl Marshall got he did to be fair get pinged for that um, at least once for a sort of piling into the rock and then going off his feet. Um, so it does happen occasionally, but uh, yeah, it's all a bit of a bugger's muddle, really. Yeah, um, my hands in the rock is the SRU uh, question and answers, which I've put hundreds <laughs> hundreds of questions now to. Um, the players that they've asked them for, and I've not seen hide no hair of them answering. I mean, not just any my questions, questions. any any of my questions, or any of, if anybody's questions, they just All keep right. asking for players. I, I don't. It's not on the YouTube channel. I don't know if they're doing it half time or something like that, maybe. But I wasn't but, at the game, so I didn't get to see it. By any chance, was the first one that you ever participated in? Ask Al Keller. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think so. Um, no, having no. looked, search back of the times that I've. Added Al Kellogg. Um, no, so I don't think that's the reason Al Kellogg has blocked me because I asked him, um, do you know, a um, question, 
a question, one of my questions. So yeah, I'm going to ask you the questions, Rory, because I'm getting frustrated about it. So All right, okay. You can pre- pretend you're Finn Russell. Yes. For this one, who would win in a fight between a thousand ducks and ten bears? The ducks are highly organised. Um, still go with I'll go with the bears. Okay, good answer. That's fine. You just need one word. It's not. I'm not asking for a, you know an essay. Um, Johnny Gray. Um, what kind of whale would you be if you had to be a whale? You see, now this is a problem. I think Johnny Gray is. He might not even be a whale. He might be well. I want to say whale shark because they're like. They, 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 everyone thinks they're a shark, but really they're kind of big and smiley like a whale, and not really sharky enough. So I would say he was actually a whale shark. Is it? That's a good. That's a good answer. Yeah, I've gone over my two hundred and eighty characters. <laughs> um, the last one was Hamish Watson today. Um, now this is interesting because I then got in a debate with either Hamish Watson or one of his business associates because I asked the question, "What's your favourite type of hat?" Please note, <laughs> baseball cap is a cap and not a hat, and so is not an acceptable answer. And then. <laughs> So Rex Hatz then tweeted me and said, what do you mean a cap is not a hat? So then I sent I sent him a link about uh, an article on what the difference between a cap and a hat was. Basically, a hat is has a brim all the way around and a cap just has the peak at the front. Okay. Um, I didn't get an answer. I haven't had an answer, though. I don't think I haven't checked for a while. Healthy, an health, healthy debate. Yeah, yeah, so we like we like Rex, Rex Club. Their, their caps are... We, we reviewed them favourably. I think Brody uh, reviewed them quite favourably. He quite liked them. He, yeah, yeah. He they being of need of need of a cap. Um, yeah. Um, but, but, so what what do you think Hamish Watson's favorite hat, type of hat is? I I think it's probably top. Mm, I could see him in a wee sort of bowler hat thing. Yeah, I'm not sure you carry off a trilby, but bowler's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, like a sort of maybe not like a maybe not like a, a city, not like um, not like the the father in Mary Poppins, more like a kind of uh, riverboat gambler bowler hat. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Like the one, is it the ones they wear in, um, the cats wear in, um, what's that Disney film with all the cats in it? Uh, um, Aristocrat, Aristocats. Aristocats. Yeah. So the, a, the, the hoodlums, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, um, so that's that's what's annoyed me this week, is that I haven't had any answers <laughs> to my questions. Although Ali Price... I think, I think, yeah, I think you should just, you should just, we'll do that on here now as a feature. You, yeah. you can just ask us your questions and we will try and answer I'm not going to stop. They tried to hide the Johnny Gray one on Instagram, but I found it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably, it yeah, that's probably a good re- uh, point to end it on. Um, that's it from us this week. We'll be back next week to pour over the All Blacks game. Hopefully, um, we'll have uh, the audio all up and running. It will sound normal. Um, and we will have somebody... We won't have our sort of third man afflicted by man flu. Um, so... Um, in the meantime, uh, do um, send us your hands in the ruck. Where's Dougie Donnelly's about your um, rumours, um, your spots of Ellie Barber or um, Andrew Cotter or John Beatty, anybody like that you've seen out and about. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog. Um, do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We had one from um, the um, from I can't remember who it was now who who um, said that it was good that we weren't FP Harumpers, whatever that is. Um, so I quite like quite like that review. Um, so yeah, leave, leave, us, leave us some reviews and we'll read them out. Um, presumably, you know where to find the podcast if you're listening at this point. Uh, but we are available on Spotify now and YouTube if uh, that's easier for you. Uh, but for now, it's bye from me and bye bye from Boulders. <laughs> bye bye Black. <laughs> bye bye.
the biggest of all fish, 30 tons in weight, 12 meters long, a whale shark. 